Good morning. So good to see each and every one of you today. Uh, thanks for being at the Grove. Uh, my name is Eric Matoy, if you don't know me, Pastor the Grove, and we are thrilled that you're here. Here, And also, for those tuning online, thanks for tuning online. Thanks for being with us today, praying that you have a great week also. Uh, I love starting our Sundays, our week off, by just uh, gathering together and being able to uh, get something that's going to encourage us and help us in the week. Uh, you know, one of the statements that uh, us gathering together on a Sunday makes is that we say, God, we put you first in our lives. Uh, Sunday is the first day of the week, and the first thing you do is on Sunday morning is to get get together and uh, declare he's good, and uh, he has good things for us. It's, it's just awesome. And then many of you that come, maybe this might be your first time, maybe you're new to church, haven't been to church for a while, um, we're glad you're here with us, and uh, we, we um, hope that you will experience something of, uh, that God has for you today in, in a great way that maybe you've never experienced before. Um, today, as we're in a series, it's part three of what to do when we don't know what to do. Um, it's, it's really the series, just so you know, if you're, if you're here and maybe you uh, don't have much church background or you're new to church, uh, this, is really, this series is really geared for those who would say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower. Um, and it's going to uh, help, help those that, that, of us that say we're following Christ have some tools uh, to be able to go into the fall. Because uh, if we go into the fall, it's a, a natural transition time where we face changes, we face different things that come. Um, and growth. A lot of times growth is what comes from that. And so as we get into that, we really want to be able to prepare those. So if you're uh, new to church and uh, maybe some of the things I'm talking about might sound like I'm talk- not talking directly to you, really it's going to help you see that as, as Christ followers, God helps us to really have um, tools and equipment and uh, principles that help us have the best life we could possibly live. And so if, if you're new to the faith, this, this, is, this series is really going to help you have an insider look into what it means to really follow Christ. And so we, we know you'll, you'll enjoy the ride with us, the journey with us. So in this, in this series, um, you know, we talk, uh, we're talking about you know, when we face things that are difficult, face things that are hard. A lot of times as human beings, we tend to only think in human perspective and in, in the physical. So we, we tend to think that all that we see is all there is to see. And by, the Bible says there's, there's some, a different part, a different part of, of, of that's something else that's taking place that we don't see. It's the unseen. It's the spiritual. So we're physical, but we're also spiritual. And so we face difficulties. Sometimes we only think in the sense of the physical. And a lot of times God is saying, hey, there's more going on than you realize. And so when you ever face a situation that's difficult, really the, the tool that we want to give in this series is saying, hey, maybe it's possible that the battle you're facing and the challenges you're facing actually are not physical in nature. They actually could be possibly spiritual in nature. And, and God wants to help us to see that and know that. In fact, Romans 5, 3 through 5, Paul tells us that we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Anybody rejoice when you run into a problem or a trial? Anybody like you like you're happy when something bad happens? Anybody? It, typically, that's not the right response, right? It's like, what do you mean be joyful in, in when you run into something that's difficult? Um, well, Paul is telling us we can rejoice when we run into these problems and, and trials. He, and when, at the end of the message, we'll, we'll say why exactly he's saying that. But he's saying it. Jesus told us we're going to have challenges in the earth, right? We're going to go through things that are going to be difficult. But he says, take heart. I've overcome the world. He says, you're going to face these difficulties, but just hang in there. Well, Paul is saying, when we run into these things, you should, you should rejoice. And uh, today we're going to talk about that. How can we rejoice in difficulties? Well, if you have the right perspective, you have the right tools, you'll actually come out on the other side even better uh, than, you, than you were going into it. Um, here's the, the key, one of the key ideas for this series is you have to understand, all right, is that we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're actually spiritual beings having a human experience. If you don't get, grasp that reality that the Bible talks about, you'll always be frustrated because you'll always, with life, because you'll always be trying to fix everything through physical means, right, uh, through, through what we can control, what we can do. And, and, and God is saying, hey, you're, you're a human being, but you're really spirit. And there's an, an element, the unseen, and, and he wants us to know there's more going on than we even understand. And so don't forget, this, this physical part of our world and this, this journey is only part of the story. We're spirit, and there's going to be even more that goes on with this story, not just life here on earth, but even beyond that. And so don't just try to fix things through the physical. Learn to hear God to say, how do we fix these things in the unseen realm, in the spiritual, in our thought life, in, in, in the things that we meditate and think about with our, with, with our desires and our hearts and all that. So essentially, don't just let the five senses control you and, and how you approach life, but be open to what God has. And, as, and this whole series is built around the book of Ephesians. So every week I'm challenging you for this month, would you just read through the book of Ephesians with us? Uh, you'll be able to, to see and get things that maybe you've never, never seen before. Um, and Ephesians really is about uh, telling us how to take action for God. That's the whole, the whole book is really about how to take action for God. 
Other parts of the Bible teach us how to have a relationship with God, how to make things right. Ephesians is not that book. This book is saying, here's the actions you need to take if you're going to be successful in this. In fact, in Ephesians, um, Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, uh, where we'll, we'll focus on today. If you can go to that first scripture for me. Ephesians 6 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Uh, so Paul is saying, all right, um, I give you those instructions. This is the last chapter of that book, Ephesians. He's writing to a church in, in Ephesus, and these are Christians. So he's writing to Christian people who are saying, we are following Christ. We are, are, um, have, have committed to, to let him be the Lord of our life, and we're going to follow him in this journey. So he says, be strong. He's talking to them. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So it starts with God. It starts with Christ. It starts with God. He says, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So week one, we talked about the devil's schemes. Uh, last week, we began to talk about the armor that God gives us. And he goes on and says this. He says, uh, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual um, forces of evil within the heavenly realms. So week one, we talked all about that. If you missed it, go week one. Um, and then he goes on, he says, so our, our battle is not against humans, but it's against the unseen, right? So he says, therefore, because our battle is not against humans, but against the unseen, he says, put on the armor of God. So if we're going to fight in the unseen, the equipment he's given us, this equipment is also unseen. Uh, the, the effects of it and the evidence of it is, can be there, but it's, 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 it's not, you can't see it with your physical eye. So he says, put on the full armor of God so that when that day of evil comes, so we're going to face days of trials and str- struggles and, and battles, he says, when those days come, you'll be able to stand against the enemy, hold your ground, and you'll, after you've done everything, stand, stand firm. So he's saying, therefore, because we're in this battle, put on the armor of God. Put on something that's available to you. Use the tools and resources that, that he has for you. Here's the thing I love about God, all right? Is he not only did he, did he um, when he created earth, created us, he made some amazing things. I, I think hopefully you enjoy that when it comes to creation and how things were made. But he made us to be successful. He, gave, he made us to be able to rule and have authority here on earth. Because of sin, we lost that because of our selfish desires. Uh, we invite um, evil into the world. We invite um, negative consequences to happen. But in the middle of that, God makes a way to have a relationship with him and have find grace and be able to change the, the trajectory of our lives because of what he's done. And then, not only that, he then says, now when you're living, it's not just about... So salvation is, is, a, is really between... The first salvation is between, between us and God saying, God, forgive us of our sins so we can have a relationship with you. It's salvation for our souls so we can inherit heaven, right? So we can make heaven our home, all that. Well, there's another part of salvation that says then it moves beyond that. Now it's, it's the word be sanctification. It's, it's God is now changing us and molding us to become this new creation, this better version of ourselves. And he gives us the tools. So in Ephesians, Paul is saying, because of grace, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, because of grace, we have these things. Here's how you use these things. Here's what you need to do to continue to, to make sure you're successful in the, in this, in this journey. Because we're fighting against the enemy, unseen forces, right? You don't see them. So when we have these battles, Paul is saying, there's some equipment and tools you can use to have victory. And Paul says this about our, our fight with the enemy in our life. He says that you are actually a more than a conqueror. He says you can be more than a conqueror in this life. What does more than a conqueror means? Well, it means not only do you win the battle, but you come out with more on the other side of it. So you win the battle, which is awesome. We win. But then on the, on the other side of that, we actually have more. We gain more. We grow. We, we come out ahead of where we were when we first started. So he says, so then stand firm. And we talked about this last week. You can go catch up. The bells of truth buckle on your waist. Breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So he says, you utilize and use these first three weapons. They're important. You have to have these all the time. Now today we're going to talk about the next three. All right. He says, here's some next three pieces of equipment in this unseen battle that we're in. He said, here's some other things. Above all, taking the shield of faith. So above all, take the shield of faith with you, which will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Faith actually keeps the fiery darts of the enemy from, from causing more destruction in our lives. You don't have a shield, no shield. Arrows come in. Some are going to hit you in the head. Some are going to hit you in your armor. And if it's not strong enough armor, it's going to be, or it's exposed armor, you're going to be wounded. You're going to be hurt, even, even killed. So saying that the, the shield of faith is actually going to be able to quench and stop those fiery darts. Not just any darts, not just arrows, but darts that are on, uh, arrows that are on fire trying to cause more damage. How, do, how you can stop those? And he says, then you take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So today we're going to talk about these three next pieces of equipment for our lives. If you're going to be more than a conqueror, if you're going to be successful in this in this life and in this battle that's unseen, he's saying here's some tools that you need to have. So the first three tools, have these with you all the time. 
you live it out. You live out truth. You live out doing what's right. Uh, you live with peace, right, as you walk this journey. Well, these next three, he's saying, now you have to take these up. So this is on a need basis. As you need them, take these up. So the first one, he says, above all, take in the shield of faith with which you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Fiery darts are the enemy's lies, the, the truths that he tries to get us to believe, the things that he, he says are, um, are true, that which, which we know are lies. So it's the lies and, and the comments and the condemnation that comes from the enemy all the time. And we're always being bombarded with these fiery darts. He's saying, take that shield of faith. Um, this is the, he's saying, essentially, above all, he's saying this one's key. Like, this is important because it's going to protect you. It's also going to protect others if you learn how to use this um, in, in a good way, in the correct way. Um, what's great about shields is also is when you're with other Christ followers and you're in the army and you're, you're in battle with other soldiers, you can link your shields together and your shield of faith, male shield of faith, would actually be able to make a greater defense and even, even more protection for those that are in, in the battle with you. So you guys just great. Here's what Hebrews says about faith. All right, so faith. Now, faith is the confidence of what we hope for. It's the, it's the confidence in those things that we're really wanting in life, right? The things that even God has spoken and the assurance about what we do not see. So faith is a confident hope and assurance in the unseen. Like, like God has said something about our future, and we can't see it yet, but we believe it, and we stand uh, with, with uh, confidence knowing that's going to happen. So faith is something you can't see. If, if you can see it, it's not faith, and it doesn't faith, take faith to do something that you know already what's going to happen. Really, uh, like in this room, um, it doesn't take faith for me to believe that you're in this room. Why? Because I can see you, right? It takes faith to believe something that, that I can't see is in this room. That's where the spiritual, where it talks about spiritual warfare. We don't see it, but it doesn't mean it's not present. It doesn't mean it's not here. And God is saying, in this, this journey, don't forget that the battle you're facing is not against your neighbor. It's not against your employee or employers or coworkers or your spouse or your kids. That is not even the battle. God uses them. I mean, the enemy uses those people sometimes to bring destruction, but it's really against the enemy. He's really our, 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 our foe. He's the one that wanted to destroy our lives. So here's some equipment to be able to withstand, and not just withstand, but be victorious in it. So we can say it like this. Faith, the shield of faith, right? It's acting on the truth that we know. Uh, faith is just saying, you said it. I believe it, right? Uh, it's acting. Faith would be like as acting as if what God said is actually true and it's going to happen. Uh, when you believe that God has said it and you believe it's going to happen, that's what it means to use the shield of faith is you're saying, God, it's not, I'm not going to go forward with this living faith just because I feel it. Because uh, faith is not feelings and faith is not based on feelings. Um, it's really about saying whether you feel like it or not, you say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. I'm going to step out where you're asking me to go. I'm going to follow you on this journey. Um, it's, it's acting on the truth that God, God has, that, that good things uh, are coming because our faith, uh, we believe that God has said it. Hebrews 11:6 says this about faith, that without faith is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, exists and that he rewards those who are earnestly seeking him. So God rewards those who are saying, God, in this journey, I can't see you. There's something more going on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek you. Um, I, w- I want to go forward. And it says, you, without faith, you can't ever even know God and what he has purposes for your life. Genesis 15, 6 says, and Abram, later he would become Abraham, right? Uh, father of many nations, uh, believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of what? His faith. So his faith is what made him righteous before God. So essentially the story of Abraham is God says, Abram, I'm looking for people in this earth to be able to, to, to bring about my kingdom, to bring about my blessings, to bring about my promises. Would you be that person? Abraham, I want you to leave the, what's comfortable. I want you to leave your land here and go to this other land. And I'm going to use your family, use you to, to bless the, all the nations of the earth. And so essentially God says, Abraham, I want to use your life to make a difference in this world. And because Abraham got up and left what was comfortable, got up and left what he could see for something that he couldn't see, it says God blessed him because he stepped out on the journey. And our faith always grows when we do something God asks us to do, even when we don't know exactly uh, why he's asking it or um, what the outcome is going to be. We're just trusting. That's when our faith grows. And really, growth doesn't happen until we actually step out and do something with what God has asked us to do. Uh, so he's lead us on this journey. Um, it's, uh, it's James 2, 26 says it like this. And the body without the spirit is dead. Faith without deeds is dead. So our faith has to be an active faith. You can't just say, I believe in God and then do nothing, right? Your life doesn't change. That's a dead faith. That doesn't work. But real faith, an active faith, is actually saying, not only do I believe God, but I'm now going to prove my belief by what I do. Uh, so Ephesians is very clear about um, when it comes to our relationship with God, we can only have relationship with God. We can only have forgiveness of sins because of grace. Grace is a gift, right? And so if you read Ephesians, you'll actually see in the beginning of, of, the, of the book, 
it's about grace. God says we are, if Paul says in the book of Ephesians, we're saved by grace. It's because of God's grace that we can have a relationship with him. Grace, grace. And it's a, like a grace sandwich. So then at the end of the book, it's about grace. So he's saying, essentially saying, hey, it starts with grace. It ends with grace. Don't ever forget that. Grace is a gift. You cannot do enough to earn God's love or favor. Um, it's, it's a gift. Now he says, but because of this gift, now with, through faith, you can actually begin to um, have all the things that God has for you. You can have success in relationships. You can have success in finance. You can have success in all these different areas because of that grace that God gives. So essentially he's saying, I'm making you a part of my family. You're becoming a child, right, a son or daughter of the king. Now there's all these resources available to you, and through faith you can actually access those things. And then your works and your deeds actually prove that you are, you're believing what God says. So not only are you using what he's given you, but now as you live your life out, you're actually proving that faith is alive and it's active. So it's a, it's a living faith. Um, as, as opposed to just um, a one-time uh, belief that, that God is God. It's, saying, it's an ongoing basis saying, God, I trust you on this journey. Um, and and it, the religion will always confuse it, right? So because of grace, we access through faith what, what God has given us because of grace. Our works prove our faith, right? Religion flips that around. It's always works shows that we believe to earn God's favor. And that's, that's anti-gospel. In fact, Jesus, God says you cannot earn his favor. You cannot earn his love. You cannot do anything to make God love you more. Like he's already done everything he could in, 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 in his sacrifice to the son. Like he's, he's, he killed his son to show you how much he loved us. It says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he gave his life on our behalf so we can have life. So you don't earn it. It's a gift that God gives to us. All right. So he's saying when it comes to the shield of faith, it has to be a living faith that's lived out on a daily basis. And the moment you stop believing God or trusting God, you're no longer protected by the, the arrows that come, the enemy says. Why? Because he said, you'll never do it. You'll never be, over, you'll never be successful. Your marriage is never going to work. You're never going to overcome that addiction. And as long as we don't trust that God is saying you can be an overcomer, you can, there's going to be more from it, you put down your, your shield of faith, you begin to get bombarded by the attacks of the enemy. So he says, take up the shield of faith. And then the second part, he says, and now take up the helmet of salvation. Um, take up the helmet of salvation. So a helmet protects the mind. Right. And here's what's key. What's so important about the mind is if the mind is not working correctly, you can't use all the other equipment. You can't use the sword, which we'll talk about next. You can't effectively use the shield. Um, you won't be able to effectively walk. So if the mind is damaged, everything else then is affected. So the mind is so important that we understand that helmet of salvation. When I first read the, the armor of God, I got to helmet of salvation. I thought it meant like when, when we're in a relationship with God, we're saved. Right. So that's salvation. But I began to think about the book of Ephesians and he's writing to Christians so these are already people that say, hey, I'm in a relationship with God. I have salvation because of the cross. I have a relationship with God. So now he's saying, take on salvation, which is not the saving salvation, the saving grace he's talking about. This is something different. Uh, if you remember the, in the Old Testament, the story of the Egyptians, um, the, they were ruling and um, uh, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And God comes and uses Moses to free them, right? Well, he makes these statements to them and says, hey, guys, I'm going to rescue you from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So I'm going to take you out from there. And then I'm going to free you from being slaves. Well, being freed and being freed are two different things. So, yeah, they're rescued from being slaves to Egypt, and they get out of, the, out of Egypt. But then he says, then I'm going to free you from being slaves, which means even though they weren't in the land of slavery, they were still living like slaves. So when he says take on the helmet of salvation, here's the idea, right? Yeah, you, you become a Christian or a Christ follower, and so you're in Christ. But now he's saying, now we need to get Christ in you so that you no longer think like a slave. Right. So we were slaves to sin. The cross breaks that we are no longer slaves to sin. We're free. Now we need to stop thinking like like uh, slaves. We have to start thinking like free people. When you put on the helmet of salvation, you're actually saying, God, I'm going to protect my mind. I'm going to begin to allow you to help me. You know, in football, football season's coming up. Maybe excited for that. Anybody? Ooh, yeah, we got a little bit of noise there. What? Somebody say something. Cowboys. What? Yeah. Raiders. What? All right. Broncos. All right. <laughs> If you watch the games, they have their helmet, the, the quarterbacks have their helmets on, and they're always like, when the crowd's really loud, right, like trying to hear the, the coaches talking in the ears, right? When they have the helmet on, one, they're protected from hits, but it also gives them the ability to even hear what, what the coach is saying. So the, the offensive coordinator's up in the top watching down in the field saying, hey, you're seeing, they're seeing things that, you're not, that the quarterback's not seeing and saying, hey, trust me, you need to do this, watch out for this giving him instruction. That's kind of like when I see the homo salvation. It's like we're saying, God, we, we put on your thoughts. We, we ask you to help us to think differently. Uh, in fact, in First Thessalonians, watch what, what he calls the homo salvation. He says, but let us who live in the light be clear-headed, 
So, hey, pay attention to your thoughts. Be clear-headed. Don't let that become muddy and murky in, in how your thought life. Protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Or another translation says, and as a helmet, the hope and confident assurance of salvation. Notice what he calls the helmet. It's hope. So when, when you have the helmet on, you have hope. Your thoughts are full of hope. Your thoughts are, are full of um, um, optimism and, and all the, the good things that will come in the future. In fact, here's what the biblical the idea of hope is. It's a quiet hope is a quiet, steady expectation of good based on the promise of God's word. So hope is a quiet, steady expectation of good based on the promises of God's word. So we read God's, uh, the Bible, read his promises of what he says to us. We see it and we say, all right, God said this. He's going to supply all our needs when, when we're struggling financially. He's going to take care of us, right? So there's this, this quiet, steady expectation of good that's going to happen. Paul says a different way in Romans 8.28. He says that all things will work together for good for those who are called, who love God and called according to his purposes. So whatever you face, he's saying, guys, hey, chill out. You're going through something difficult. God will take that difficulty and he'll make it into something good. You're more than a conqueror. You're not only going to win that battle, you're actually going to come out ahead of, of where you were in the beginning. And he says it, hope is this, it's an expectation of good that's going to take place. That sounds a lot like optimism, right? Um, hope, another guy, Derek Prince, a quote from here, he says it like this. Um, hope is an optimistic attitude that will always choose to see the best and will not give way to depression, doubt, and self-pity. So hope, when we're focused on hope, we're thinking about what the positive things. It's an attitude, an optimistic attitude that chooses always to see the best. We're always looking for the best, and that always keeps away depression and doubt and self-pity because we're focused on the wrong thing. Uh, so, here, here, so when it comes to our thought life, you know, a negative thought will never produce a good life. A negative thought is not going to produce a good outcome. It, 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 what we think about affects how we live our life going forward. So when we have negative thoughts about things, typically the outcomes are going to be negative. You can't expect a positive outcome with a negative starting point of negative thoughts. Here's why the helmet is so key, all right? Because when you have the helmet on, you know it's on because your thoughts are focused on the promises that God made and the positive, the good outcomes that are come from it, not from the negative. So if you have worry and anxiety, that's a, that's a, and you're, you're always thinking about the negative things that could possibly be there, you, you probably don't have the, the helmet of salvation on. You're, you're, you're allowing the enemy's lies to, to really become the things that you fixate on and think about. Here's why it's so important to pay attention to what we think about is because whatever we think about over and over, eventually, the Bible calls it meditate, right? The things we fill our minds with will eventually seep down into our hearts. Once it gets to our hearts, now that begins to, those thoughts now begin to, to determine our direction. So it was a thought about how what work wasn't working and I don't like work and work sucks, right? Well, eventually you think that over and over and over, it seeps down to your heart. Your attitude and posture towards work will always be this is the worst ever. And it will determine how you go into work every single day. And if you don't fix that, you'll only see the negative and you'll, you'll have very negative outcomes. But if your thought life changes, you begin to look for positive things, your approach to life and your outcomes will be a lot different. Colossians 1.27 says it like this. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery. So God is doing some amazing things. It's a mystery that's going on. Um, and he says this, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery is that he's taking people who are slaves and he's freeing them from slavery. He's taking people who are addicts and he's freeing them from those addictions. And not just freeing them, now he's creating them into this new kind of person that is, that is uh, loving others, that is caring, that, that, that brings about good to our world, right? And in this, it's the hope of glory. There's something that takes place in this transaction uh, that, that when Christ gets in us, there's a hope of glory. Not just for the person that's getting saved, but also for those that are watching. So we can say it like this. In Christ is our starting point, right? Because of the cross, we become part of God's family because of the cross, because of Christ. So in Christ, we're God's family. In Ephesians, that's the most used phrase, in Christ. So Paul says, in Christ, we have all these riches. In Christ, we're sons and daughters of the king. In Christ, because of Christ, we have um, the, the, the resources necessary to accomplish his purposes. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. So you want to say, because of grace, we have access to the Father. So that's the starting point. Really, the goal is Christ in us. What does that mean? That I look a lot less like Eric and a lot more like Christ. That, that there's so much of him in me that is, I begin to sound like Jesus. I begin to talk like Jesus. I begin to use the same words and think they think his way. Why? Because I'm allowing him to transform me into the person that he wants me to be so I can make an impact with our life. It's in Christ. In Christ is a new creation. Christ in us is really where we become more and more like him. Uh, so when it comes to the helmet of salvation, just know this. We change our behavior by changing our thinking. 
pay attention to your thought life. Pay attention to what you're thinking about. Because if you want to change your life, it doesn't start just with the behaviors. It actually starts with our thoughts, what we're thinking on, what we're focused on. If our thoughts are wrong, our outcomes will be wrong. And the enemy knows this. He want, doesn't want us to use the helmet of salvation. He doesn't want us to use that, this, the helmet where God has lead us on this journey of, of, of making us more and more like him. He wants to keep the helmet off, which means he wants us to continue to believe the lies that we've been, t- been told for our whole life, right? Of not being good enough, not being smart enough, not being able to do this thing, not being able to overcome. Never, your marriage is never going to work. Your finances will never be better. All those lies, he wants you to keep thinking those things so you continue to keep doing the same things you're doing that keeps you bound and, and away from what God wants. He's saying don't focus on who you are in Christ. Don't focus on what God is trying to tell you. Don't listen to the offensive coordinator up in the booth that, does, that sees something you don't see. Just keep trusting your feelings. Keep trusting what others are saying. You know, take, take the helmet off, and then you're, you're not protected. And the arrows that he keeps firing at us just keep hitting, and they keep sticking. And that same lie and that same uh, truth that he's trying to get you to believe just stays there. And you think, you think it's the truth because that's what you've heard your whole life. And God is saying, hey, that's not the truth. In fact, those are called lies. The enemy's a liar, and he's deceptive. And so if he's telling you you're not good enough, the truth is you have a lot of potential in your life. And if you realize it, you can do a lot of good and make a big difference with your life. If he's saying you're not smart enough, man, you have a capacity to do amazing things. And the enemy doesn't want you to know that, so he tries to keep us uh, distracted, focused on other things, focused on the negative, not the positive. And, and essentially he's saying, man, take off the helmet because I want, I, want, I want your focus to be on the wrong things. And that keeps us away from accessing all the power that God gives us to be able to, to overcome and to be more than conquerors and be victorious with our life. All right? So the helmet of salvation, pretty important. Um, if your thought life is negative all the time, it's a good indication that you don't have the hope that God wants you to have. And I would say, God, you need to help me to be able, begin to, to see things differently and, and hear things, what you're trying to say, so I can focus on the right things so the outcomes can become correctly. All right, so we've got our shield of faith. We've got our helmet of salvation. And the, fourth, the, the sixth thing he says is, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So the Bible calls the Bible, the Bible calls itself, the sword of the Spirit. This would be the weapon that God is saying that we use. And in, in the language they use, it's not like a big sword that you'd be fighting from far away, right? Like you'd keep your opponent away. It's more of a shorter sword, almost like a dagger, which would mean you'd be hand-to-hand combat. So he's saying when the enemy gets up in your, your space, right, and he's fighting against you, you have this tool that's called the sword of the spirit that's super sharp, that's going to be effective. And the word, the word that, that the Bible uses for word there for, in the Greek is actually rhema, which actually means a spoken word. Right? So, the, so the, the Bible that, that we have, the scriptures we have, it's used as a sword when it's spoken. It has to be the spoken word. In Revelation, it talks about Jesus coming, and it says there's a wor- there was a sword coming out of his mouth. It's talking about the word of God. He's actually using the words of God to fight battle right? To, to, in the unseen. So we fight with our sword in the unseen by speaking out the truth in God's word, um, which is really important to understand. It's a sharp sword. And when we think about the, this, this piece of armor and uh, the weapon that he gives us, it's for defense, right? You can defend. You keep them away from you. But it's also offensive. You can begin to take some ground, being a, to push back the enemy to get away from you. Um, in, in, in our world, a lot of times when it comes to the battles we face and the challenges that we have, we tend to think physical, like I said. Well, even people in the Bible thought that way. Uh, Moses, in the Old Testament, he encountered an Egyptian uh, taskmaster beating um, a, 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 Jew, a, a slave, a Hebrew slave. And Moses, a Hebrew, he gets so mad uh, that the Egyptian is beating this, this slave. They're fighting. So he comes and he kills the Egyptian and buries him. So he tries to solve an issue with a physical um, res- uh, outcome, um, output, right? Like he uses, it says a rock to kill this, this man. But then it causes him to have to leave for many years because of this, this, this uh, murder. He tried to solve an issue with the physical when really it was a spiritual reality. It was the unseen. Later, God brings back in the story and says, all right, you tried your way with the physical. Let me use the unseen to help you overcome this. Uh, Peter in the Bible, when Jesus is getting arrested and, and about to, to be crucified that, that night before, it says they come to arrest him. And Peter pulls out a sword and he cuts off the ear of one of the, the servants of the high priest. So he cuts his ear off. And Jesus is like, hey, no, no, put your swords away. This is, guys, this is not a physical battle. Like this, these guys are our enemies. They don't realize they're being used by the enemy to, to cause all this. But this is not, this is an unseen battle you don't even know about. They say, Peter, you're trying to solve an issue with a physical thing where you really need to be using a spiritual thing. So not a rock, not a sword, but something that's, that's unseen. And, and the sword of the spirit is, an, is, is a weapon where we can use when we speak out the words of God. It brings about results. Uh, you know, I heard a story of talking about sharp things. 
a story about this this older gentleman. He had white hair. Um, he's a lumberjack, and so he cut down trees for all of his life. And the last company he worked for, they went out of business. And so he's been traveling around trying to find some more work. And he comes to this, uh, this lumber yard, this, this company that, that cuts down a lot of trees. And um, he comes and he says, you know, I'm a really good lumberjack. And I've had this, my axe for years. And, and I just, I love, I, I, I enjoy doing this. And he says, I, can I get a job? And the foreman sees him and says, well, you kind of, you're a little bit aged. And I don't know if you can do this. We have a lot of young guys in the crew. I don't know if you can keep up with them. Um, he says, well, just give me a shot. Give me a tryout. Let me do this. And he's like, I don't know. I don't want you to hurt yourself or anything. He says, no, no. I sharpened my, my, my axe today. It's ready to go. I sharpened it really as sharp as it can get. And let me just have a try. So the guy's like, all right, well, let's go out there. And he takes him to the crew. And this, this old gentleman begins to just chop and chop. And, and, and the foreman is so impressed with him because he's, he's, he's just going through trees even faster than all the young guys. He's thinking like, man, where did this guy come from? And so after the guy chops him some down, he's like, you're faster than even my best guy. He's like, where'd you come from? Like, where have you been? He's like, I've been doing my whole life. And he says, uh, I've done this a long time. He says, have you ever, ever heard of the, uh, the Sahara Forest? He says, what, you mean the Sahara Desert? Like, no, no, it used to be called the Sahara Forest. He's like, I've been so good that I, no, not a good joke. The old man turned the Sahara Forest into, okay. It's a joke. It's about a sharp axe with a guy using it correctly. Okay. So talking about sharp things, right? When you have the right tool to do the right job and you have the right energy, you know how to use it, you can make a difference. See, a lot of times in our lives, we have these problems like trees, right? They grow up, they're big, whatever the issue is with our kids, with our boss, with our school, whatever, our finances. It's like this tree in our backyard that just seems massive. And we get our ax and we get our tool and we go out there and we're thinking like, man, I'm going to chop this down, right? Well, if you had a hammer and you took your hammer to your finances and try to fix it with a hammer, you're, it's not going to change. You have to have the right tool, and you have to use it the right way to be able to have the right outcomes. In our lives, God is saying there's a, a tool available to you to make a difference in your life if you'll just use it. When the enemy pushes in, I want you to be able to learn how to be able to counterattack that and stop the, the battle that's coming your way. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says this about the Bible. For the word of God is alive and powerful. So there's life in this thing, and there's power in this thing. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Sharpen your axe, your sword, as sharp as you want. This thing's still sharper. In fact, it'll cut between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. So it's like a surgeon's scalpel, right? That's how sharp it is. It, it can get to the details of these things. It exposes our inmost thoughts and our desires. So it's saying, hey, this, this the word, the Bible, it exposes what we're thinking about. It exposes our motives, our hearts, what, what's going on in our heart. It's teaching us something. Why? To make a difference, to bring out change in our lives. But also, it's used as, as a, a weapon to be able to, to hold the, th- the enemy back. And, and Jesus, he modeled for, for us how to use this weapon perfectly. In Luke 4, 1 through 13, it says this about Jesus. It says, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit after he got baptized in the Jordan with John the Baptist. It says he left the Jordan and was led, into, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Pay attention to those words. What was he, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Why? Where 40 days he was tempted by the devil. So the Spirit led Jesus into a very difficult situation. He was led there. It wasn't by accident. Essentially saying, it's almost like God is saying, all right, we have so much confidence in the word. We have so much confidence in what we're asking you to do that you're going to overcome this. We're going to put you in even difficult situations so you can become better, so you can, you can make it through. And it says that he ate nothing for those days. At the end of the, end, of the, end of the time, he was hungry. So after 40 days of being tested, right, he's hungry. And it says that the enemy came to him and said this. The devil said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you, if you really are. So the enemy is using this, this phrase of if. It's, it's, he's trying to create doubt and cast doubt into, into what Jesus is thinking, into the ministry that Jesus is doing, into his, into his life. And he's saying, if you really are the Son of God, why don't you turn these stones into, into bread? But then Jesus responds and it says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. So notice the thing, neither of, them, neither of them questioned the authority of Scripture. The devil said, well, yeah, but that Bible's not even real. You know, those words that you're talking about, not, there's nothing there. He doesn't question that. As the enemy, he understands, whoa, Jesus just used, he used a sharp sword right there to push me back. Like, okay, I had to back off. What he used is effective and powerful. It wasn't a conversation. It wasn't a, a debate. He just said, it is written. He used the living word, the, the tool, the sword of the spirit to be able to push back what, what he said. Um, they used theology or education, just simply quoted scripture. So then the devil, he backs off, right? Okay, you won, you won that one. Here's, here's another one. The devil led him up to a high place on the earth, in the earth. He showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you their authority and splendor. Like you're going to be famous. You're going to be rich. You're going to have all the power and control that has been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want 
It wasn't really technically given to him. He kind of stole it from us, right, from humans. And he says, I give it anyone I want. So there's some deceit there going on. So if you worship me, it'll all be yours. Here's the thing. Jesus has promised that he, that's going to become all of his anyways. He's going to rule it. This is just a shortcut. Hey, you can cheat and just get what you want easily by just bowing down, which is a lie because the enemy's a liar. And he's saying, we'll, we'll try, different, different solutions to solve issues and problems that we have. The enemy's saying, here's my solution. Jesus say, no, this is the solution God's asking me to do. I'm going to trust God. So it says this, Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So both times he's quoted Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy. And he's saying, it is written, you must serve the Lord your God and serve him only. So then the devil says, all right, you win that one. It backs off. He says, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple, the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, all right, if you are the son of God, here's some more doubt. We're going to cast your way and make you doubt what you believe and who you are. If, if you are the son of God, throw your down, yourself down from here. And then notice what he does. Hey, Jesus, just so you know, I know the Bible too. So he says, hey, it's written in Psalms. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against the stone. So notice what he does. He says, okay, we'll play this game. You know what the Bible also says this, Jesus. And he begins to notice what he does. He try to use deceit and manipulation to try to control Jesus into something. Religion always does that. Tries to control you. In fact, it wouldn't be that hard for me to control you from up here when I talk about what the Bible says. If I had the, the, the deceit in my heart to try to get you to do things that I wanted you to do that you didn't want to do. The problem with that, that's, that's called witchcraft. And that's part of what the enemy does. And when it comes to cults, when it comes to other religions that kind of sound like the Bible, but they take away some specific things that take away the authority of Jesus. They take away what, what, what truth is saying. That's what the enemy is doing. He's trying to say, all right, it says this, but... That's not quite the context. That's not quite what God was, had in mind. He's using something for his own gain. We all can fall in this scenario sometimes of thinking, you know what, God wants me to be happy. Doesn't it say this in the Bible? Well, it says that, but that's not always the right context. It's important to know exactly what God is, what, what God is saying in those moments so we don't ever use it for our, our own benefit or misuse it like the enemy was doing. Because um, then it's about control. We're trying to make God do things that we want, not what he wants us to do. Uh, this is like when, when the enemy tells Adam and Eve, did God really say that? Like, God's not that kind of God. Is he going to kill you? Like, that doesn't sound like a nice God. He uses what God said, and he twists it to try to get them to believe something different. Um, but notice Jesus. He doesn't say, well, you know, my friend said. He doesn't say, my parents said. My teacher said. No, he says, this is what God says. And, and, and Jesus answered him. And notice what he says. The first two times it's written, it is written. So the Bible, we can find this. We can look at it. It's written. It's written. Third time he says, it is said. So essentially saying, not only is this written down and recorded, but God actually spoke this. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And he uses the spoken word to fight the third time to, to, to thrust the sword back at the enemy. And it says that, the, that when the devil had finished this, all his tempting, he left him until another opportune time. So there's going to be a future time again. The enemy's going to back off, say, okay, you won this one, but I'm coming back. I'm going to wait for that moment again, which means if we're wise and, and we are the kind of followers Christ wants us to, we are... We are living in a way that we are protected all the time, right? We're living in honesty. We're having an upright heart. We're doing the right things. We're taking peace where we go. We live according to peace. We have that shield of faith. We have that helmet that's protecting our thoughts, right? The helmet of, of salvation, the helmet of hope. And then we have the sword ready to go. So when the enemy does find an opportune time, we're not caught off guard. We're not thinking negatively, 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 negative. Thinking, in, you know what I'm saying. All right. Thinking... Negative thoughts, and, and we're, we're not susceptible to the lies of the enemy in that way, so we're not opening it up. Um, but we're using that correctly, and it protects us. So here's the question. So what do I do when I don't know what to do? When I think it's a physical issue, and I'm thinking that everything that's going on is actually just physical, but then maybe there's a spiritual element, what am I supposed to do? Well, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, he says, For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as this world does. He said, don't use the physical things to solve it. It's a spiritual. In fact, those spiritual weapons, the unseen weapons we have uh, that we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Some of us have strongholds in our life. These weapons will help us demolish those strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And notice how he does it. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So we, we destroy the arguments the enemy has. Right? And anything that sets itself up against the, the, what God is saying, and we take those thoughts captive, and we make them obedient to what Christ is doing. Well, how do we, how do, we do that? We, we, focus, we pay attention to what, what the enemy is saying, and when there's a lie that comes our way and says, man, you're not good enough, we say, God, what do you say about me? 
God, if he comes in and says, if you really were a Christian, you would do this. And you say, well, God, what are you saying? He's trying to manipulate and control. What are you trying to do in my life? And we begin to learn the truth. Um, and, and, and we begin to say, God, I, I need to learn this so that I can rightly apply what you're asking me to do. You can't use it unless you get into it, right? You can't, you can't use scripture and speak it unless you're in, the, in it, having it in your life. Um, so the shield of faith, how much salvation, sword of the spirit. Um, if, if we will begin to say, God, help me to use these things effectively. How to have a living faith. Help me to have po- positive thought life and, and a, a healthy thought life. Help me to use your word correctly. You know, when it comes to these, these, these six different things he's given so far, uh, the belt of truth, breastplate, uh, the shoes of peace, shield of faith. Uh, you know, I heard a story that kind of reminded me of, when, uh, of somebody who would use it and somebody who wouldn't use these, these equipment the right way. Um, there's a story of a, a boy in India who had this great collection of marbles. He loved his marbles. They were beautiful marbles and looked different, different colors and just, just an amazing collection. Well, his sister had this amazing collection of candy in a bag of candy, right? And this boy would look at his marbles, look at his sister's candy all the time. He'd play with his. He enjoyed it. But the candy, over little by little, began to tempt him like, there's something better here. You should go here. So he, he, he talked to his sister one day and said, hey, sister, I'll trade you my marbles for your candy. And the sister was like, I don't know. Those marbles are cool, but my candy is really tasty, right? Like, this is good. So she thinks it over and eventually says, okay, I'll, I'll trade you. So the, so the boy gets the bag of candy, goes to his room to get his marbles. As he's gathering his marbles to put him in a bag, he begins to notice how beautiful they are. And he thinks, well, that's my favorite one. I think I'll keep that one. So he puts it under his pillow, and he gets a few of the other ones that are really his favorites. And he puts them, and he brings the rest of them to his sister and says, here, sister, here's marbles. And so he gets the candy. He goes to eat it, enjoy it, and it's great, right? It goes on. Well, that night, he's laying in bed, and he's tossing and turning. And he can't sleep very good. And he has this thought over and over, and he's, he's thinking about the candy and the marbles, and he, he has this question. I wonder if my sister gave me all her candy. I wonder if my sister gave me all her candy. When somebody lives, so in this story, this boy wasn't honest with, him, with, with his sister, honest with himself, which set him up for, you know, not, not peace in his, in his sleep and, and, and the struggle there. I, I thought this is exactly what happens when humans uh, begin to, to do the opposite of what God has. We're, we're disobedient when we do our own thing. When we, we live for our own pleasures and we do our thing. So it starts off with deception, right? So he, didn't, he wasn't honest with himself or his sister. That's the opposite of what God says. Uh, he didn't do the right thing. So his heart was not protected. His heart was now not upright. It was there was something, an issue there. Uh, he no longer had peace in his life. Now he couldn't sleep and he, what, all that. His faith and, and humanity and God, all that goes away, right? Because now you're thinking, well, I didn't do what's right. I'm guessing they didn't do what's right. Now I can't trust anybody and there's no faith in anything. And then his thought life is messed up. He doesn't have any protection over his thoughts because he's thinking all the time about what's not working, what's negative. Um, and and when, I, when, I, when I heard the story, I thought that's exactly what happens to us um, when we choose not to do what God asks us to do. We go into battle like, come on, enemy, I'll take you on. He's like, you have no equipment. Like, it's not going to be very hard to destroy you. Here's a couple of thoughts to your mind. Boom, you're done. All right, here's a couple of thoughts to your heart. Boom, you're done. You have no protection. But a person who's living by faith and walking that way that God wants us to, there's no worry about what God wants us to do. So here, what do I do when I, when I don't know what to do? I would say this. Walk by faith by filling your mind with God's truth and speaking about that truth every day. Walk by faith by filling your mind with truth and speaking about that truth every single day. You want to be an overcomer? You want to win? You need to learn to walk by faith. It's a, it's a faith journey, which means there's action to it. It means it doesn't stop. It means that what you were doing yesterday has to continue today. You don't take a break. You keep moving forward. And God leads us on that. And notice, notice these three parts to these, these, the, the three we talked about today. It's about, about um, med- what we meditate on, right? It's about what we're hearing, what we're learning from God that keeps us protected and, and acting upon those things that he says. It's about the, the mind being med- what we think about. And that's the words that we speak, right? It's so important. If the words we're speaking are, are contrary to God, God, what he's saying, one, it's, it's deceit and it's a lie. But two, it exposes what's inside the heart because Jesus says, out of the heart, the mouth will speak. So if your words are negative words, one, it's because your thoughts are negative. More importantly, it's because your heart is negative. And God is always saying, when you're not protected here on, the, on doing the right things and you don't have the truth, you're opening yourself up to the enemy to be able to attack and defeat and conquer you. So he said, you have, to, you have to pay attention to these different elements in our, in our world. And so the armor is unseen. You can't see if I have my armor on, but the enemy can. He knows if I'm being truthful. He knows if I'm doing the right things and if I'm right, upright, or if I'm doing behind the scenes things I shouldn't be doing, right? So if, 
And a person of integrity is doing what's right even when nobody's looking. Well, if I don't have integrity, I'm doing what's wrong because nobody can see it, and I'm thinking nobody can see it. It's like me taking off my breastplate of righteousness. I'm not doing what's right. And when I don't do that, I don't have the shoes. And I, he knocks me off my feet because I have no, no ground to stand, right? I'm not able to stand because of the peace that God brings. And then if I don't have that faith and I'm not trusting God said it, so I'm like, no, I'm not going to trust what you have. I'm going to do my own thing. It's like I'm choosing to take, put that, the shield on the floor and not use it. If, if my, and he knows when my helmet is off because, man, I'm thinking negative thoughts. I'm overwhelmed with all these the, the, the things that are coming at me. And all he has to do is just add to that and make it more and more until you beat yourself almost because you're allowing those things to keep on going. And then if I'm not in the, in the scripture and saying, God, what is it those things that you're trying to expose in my life? You're, you're the surgeon also using this to help me get healthier and better. What can I, what can I do? How can, how can you use my life? And we have to take these truths and be able to own them, be able to read them and see them so that when the enemy comes and says, Eric, you're not good enough. Say, well, well, well no, no, I'm, I'm more than a conqueror, which means... When we fight this battle, after I win this battle that you've cut my way, on the other side, I'm even better than I was before. And it's going to take even more work next time to try to bring me down. Because I'm more than a conqueror. I am good enough. It's not because of me. It's because of what Christ is doing in me. And you begin to find these, these verses, and you're struggling financially. He says, wait, wait, enemy, I'm, it's not true. I'm not going to be poor the rest of my life. I'm not going to struggle with debt the rest of my life. It says that he, he's going to supply my needs according to his riches. There's... I'm doing what he's asking me to do. He's going to respond. By faith, I believe he's going to take care of me. And even though it doesn't happen the moment I want it to, eventually it will happen. And we begin to say, God, you, you help me. And, and notice that um, when it comes to the, the head, you know, with, when it comes to the, the tools he's given us to protect ourselves and protect our head and, and fight, it, it has everything to do with the influences of our life, the things we listen to, the things we see, you know, the things that we're saying. Um, God is saying, pay attention to those influences in your life. Because eventually they'll get to your thought life, they'll get to your heart, they'll affect the way you live. You know, in, in uh, the Old Testament, there's a story of Joshua. Um, it says that, that Joshua, he, um, he was taking over leadership for Moses. And Moses dies, and now Joshua has to lead the people into this new land. And in this land, God is get, they're going to face some giants, they're going to face some obstacles, they're going to face some challenges. But, but God says, but Joshua, take courage, take heart, I'm going to help you out. You know, if I, if I was Joshua, I can only imagine I'm about to go into something new. And the question I would be saying is, God, what do I do when I don't know what to do in this? I don't know how to lead. I don't know how to do all these things. What do I need to do? And, and God in Joshua 1, he begins to tell him um, about paying attention. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their, for, their forefathers that I gave them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law of your servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left. Stay your course. And you, you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law, the Bible, depart from your mouth, right? Meditate on day and night, so you will be careful to do everything that's written in it. And you will prosper and be successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He's trying to prepare Joshua. You're going to fight a battle. Your thought life has to be good. What you believe about yourself has to be correct. What you believe about me has to be correct. Otherwise, when you get in that, you're going to be overcome by what the enemy sends your way. And, and, and God is saying, Joshua, pay attention. I would encourage you to read that. You know, go read it sometime. I would think that God is saying the same words to us. Be strong and very courageous. This week, when you face difficulties, hey, you're going to overcome. In fact, I've put you in those difficulties. One, so you could overcome, but also others can find hope and grace in the middle of that. Uh, my challenge this week is this. Would you walk by faith, by filling your mind with God's truth and speaking about that truth every day? In fact, this week when you read the Bible, when you're reading Ephesians, right? So tomorrow, read Ephesians 1. Actually, read it out loud. If you're driving down the road, put your app on and let it read to you out loud. Begin to hear it. Begin to let it be. All right, we're gonna, this is going to be a spoken word. It's not just something I believe, not something I just read, but something I now begin to speak. God, teach me how to use this correctly. Because a word from God will, will change everything in our lives. A word from God can change the situation that you're in. If you'll begin to say, God, this, this word is going to help me. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Remember I told you in the beginning that Paul says we should rejoice too when we run into problems and trials? Here's why he says we should rejoice. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. The reason he's saying you should rejoice is because it's going to do something in your life. That endurance, that perseverance will develop strength of character. You're going to be stronger. And that character will strengthen our confident hope of salvation. And that character will actually lead to hope. And not just hope for us, because this hope will not lead to disappointments. For we know that God dearly loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our heart 
with his love. This hope, it never leaves his point, but it gives hope to everybody else. Hope to us, but also hope to those around us that can see that we are more than a conqueror. We can do all things through Christ. Give us strength. We're, we're able to be successful in this journey of life. You don't have to be defeated. You don't have to be addicted. You don't have to be stuck. You don't have to be minim, minimized to, to um, your potential taken away from you because of your thoughts, because of your past. God is saying, I could do more through you than you ever believe if you learn to begin to tap in what I've given you already. Um, you know, th- this, this verse in, in Romans 5, it goes on and says that, that while we were at our worst, God demonstrated his love the most. When we were at our worst, he came and gave his, his son as a sacrifice for us. Today, if you're in this room, you know, some of you came in this room and um, some of the things I talked about when it comes to peace and faith and um, um, the, the, the grace that God gives us and the ability to overcome, you don't have that. Because one, you're, you haven't committed to Christ and given him your, your life. Um, and two, you're not following him. So you're doing your own thing. In fact, the Bible says that if you're doing your own thing, you've actually been blinded by the enemy. And the enemy, is, his lies have actually kept you from God's truth. And, and, and his strategy is to keep as many people as possible away from what God wants because he knows that as long as they're not on God's team, they're not anything to worry about. They're not part of the battle. They're, they're, they're already captured. They're already won. And some of you in this room, because you've been doing your own thing, you're actually not even just alone. You're actually not contributing to the, the gospel and to the good news. You're actually on the enemy, captured by the enemy. And some of you have been captured for a long time, and you know it because as I speak, there's this part of you saying, I want freedom. I need something more. I need what God has for me. And if you're here today, I would love to lead you in a prayer of invitation to God, saying, God, help me to have that freedom. God, forgive me. The Bible says that we ask God to forgive. He forgives us of our sin. He leads us into a better future. So do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service. If that's you and you're here today, you would say, you know what? I am far from God. I need his help. I would love to lead you in a prayer of asking God to forgive you and lead you into this new, new, new journey, new chapter in life. If that's you, would you, uh, I'm not going to call you to the front, but just lead you right there in your seat in prayer. But if that's you, would you lift your hand and say, that's me. Today, I mean, I can't, I can't do it without God. I need his help. God, help me to be that person that makes a difference in this world. I'm going to be free from the things that keep me back. Awesome. See a few hands. Anybody else? All right. If you either raise your hand, I'll lead you in this prayer, saying, God, I, I invite you to my life. Being a Christ follower means we follow Christ. So if you're not a Christian, if, if you're a Christian in this room, would you pray with us? We're not praying alone. Say this prayer today. Say, say Father God, today I acknowledge and I admit but I cannot do it without you. Forgive me of my sin, of my choices that keep me away from you and your best. Today, I want you to lead me. Be the Lord of my life. I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. Forgive me of my sins and lead me into a new, new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate those that prayed that prayer today. So good.